0: VoiceAmerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rackowitz.
1: Good morning, everybody. Yes, indeed, I am the host. But today, I am promoting my co-host, Matthew Schwartz, from PR News, to being a host today. <laughs> Welcome, How <are> you? Matthew. <laughs> How
2: are you, Cindy? Always good to be here.
1: You know, but you're the host now. Oh, boy. You're host for a day. I do I can handle it. No, I think you're ready. Okay. I think you're ready. So um, tell me what's on the agenda today,
2: Matt. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, the uh, Ketchum Public Relations uh, debacle, which uh, broke around, uh, oh, in February. USA Today yeah, broke the story, actually. And it concerns revelations that uh, Ketchum, which is a large uh, public relations agency owned by the Omnicom Group, Paid uh, Armstrong Williams, who is a uh, conservative com- commentator, two hundred forty thousand uh, dollars to promote President Bush's No Child Left Behind School Standards Law.
1: Talk uh, about payola, man!
2: Well, that's 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 the accusation, and uh, they are uh, multiple investigations underway. Uh, the Senate, of course, uh, is looking into this. Uh, uh, Senate Democrats, Democrats are uh, looking. Have asked the Government Accountability Office, uh, the GAO, to explore the legality of the deal, and the FCC has also called for an investigation to see if the uh, Department of Education's payment to Williams violates, as he said just a moment ago, Payola laws in the 1996 Communications Act. And uh, yet, a third investigation is underway. Well, uh, it's uh, the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington uh, crew has filed Freedom of Information Act request with 22 federal agencies seeking information about their PR contracts, which means that uh, this is going to be quite a slow burn for the PR industry because, as you well know, these FOIA requests can sometimes take years uh, before uh, any documentation sees the light of day.
1: It seems to me that, um, you know, from a legal precedent standpoint, this shouldn't. everybody's entitled to their day in court, but, you know, when you read the facts, about paying a man that you know is a news commentator, okay?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That's my New York, commentator, okay? <laughs> yep. um, and it's clear that that's his position. I don't understand, you know, why... I mean, it just seems pretty obvious to me <laughs> that you were putting money in the pockets that it shouldn't have gone into in the first place.
4: There is some very,
2: very... Uh... Uh, questionable uh, behavior going on here and uh, absolutely it's uh, some of the some of the questions that this case has raised are are just absolutely uh, mind-boggling if uh, for example if uh, a, a Ketchum client had been accused of similar uh, behavior uh, Ketchum I would guess and hope that that client would get that client out in front immediately to apologize to try and rectify the situation uh, but initially Ketchum just did the opposite. It sort of painted itself into the, to a corner. It was, uh, doing a little wiggle dance, uh, laying everything at Armstrong Williams' feet. And only after Armstrong Williams apologized did Ketchum come out to say, uh, through the Council of PR Firms, uh, that, um, uh, that we made a mistake. Uh, this is not the way we do business. Uh, but it did have that whiff of uh, desperation that uh, they were only sort of doing it after Willi- after Williams' own mea culpa rather than any sort of uh, proactive uh, stance by uh, Ketchum.
1: Well, this will be big, and guess what? We uh, I think we have Jack O'Dwyer, like, standing by on the line to let, him, let us know. Hey,
5: Cindy, how are you?
1: Jack, long time, huh? Welcome, i come covered Jack. a lot of uh,
5: Playboy stories. It was very was famous for being open to the
1: press.
5: (laughs) And I remember uh, Miss Hefner, what's her first name? Her name is Christy. Chris Hefner lecturing the the investor relations people at one of their national conferences. She said, you I R people should deal much more with the regular press. Stop being just Wall Street.
1: Yeah, well, Did Christy Huffner actually say
5: that? She she spoke. She she wore this beautiful white dress, and she spoke before, I would say, uh, 1,300 people.
3: Wow. Those, those
5: conventions draw 2,000 people. It was at least 1,300 at that session. And uh, she said, uh, you're just too too much navel-gazing going on here. Too, too much of an insular Wall Street world. Get out there. She said, well, you know, Playboy is a little different from a lot of companies. She said she always talked to the general press and got a lot of ink in, in uh, all over the paper, not just uh, in the financial columns
1: Well, you know what i Jack, it's funny that you bring that up, but yeah. you know what? <laughs> the here the coincidence here is that she really didn't like talking to the press that were not business that were not business press. <laughs> Uh, well,
5: I, well, that's <laughs> who I deal with, the business person. I had gone to a, a, a dinner once with her and Bob, Robert uh-huh. in Robert Dillenschneider, one of the New York clubs, and she spoke very well at that dinner. And,
1: uh, so she she was always was. very
5: open. And uh, Remember Chris Byron used to work for Playboy?
1: Sure. The sure. number
5: one ethics financial reporter in America. I know. I know. I
1: know.
5: Have you read true. what he's written about the SEC? It, Lately, yeah. a whole page on the worthless SEC. And he, what he's afraid of is that uh, we will uh, invest, if Bush has, President Bush has his way, a quarter of a billion dollars a year in Wall Street. And he says the Wall Street self-governance is, is completely uh, unworkable. Well, there's a
1: lot of things that I think are unworkable. I think you have to agree with that. We're discussing with Matt today,
3: yeah.
1: um, you know, the Ketchum <laughs> issue. And, well, yeah,
5: that's, that's a terrible, that's a terrible blot. You know who I just got off the phone with two minutes ago? Tim O'Brien, who wrote that story. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: let's let, let's uh, let's educate listeners a little bit about that, Jack. This was uh, you're referring to a piece that ran, uh, I believe, three weeks ago uh, in the business section of the Sunday New York Times. A big blowout on the front page about the Ketchum case and the, I believe it was titled "Bad Press for PR" and well, just well, I about the entire the debacle. frenzy. I uh, so right. Jack initially, and Jack, and Jack O'Dwyer is editor-in-chief of O'Dwyer Publications' uh, portfolio of uh, PR-related products, and he's a longtime observer of the industry. So, Jack, just initially give us the bird's-eye view, the contours of the case, how you view it from your perch, and the impact you think it's going to have well, on the industry. As you pointed
5: out before, the, the, the major associations tried to blame Armstrong Williams. The Council of PR firms blamed him. And then so did, so did Ray Kotcher in a statement in PR Week.
2: And Ray Kotcher, for those who do not know, is the CEO of Ketchum.
5: Of Ketchum. That's the last time he ever showed his face. And what really got Tim O'Brien mad is that he, as he pointed out in his article, he called Kotcher repeatedly you see that in a Times story. That means I am really mad. (laughs) He used the word repeatedly. Katcham would not return his calls.
2: And what do you think is behind the fact that, again, that you have uh, the Holy New York Times, as it were, uh, calling you up for a a comment and about a a big story uh, in the Sunday business section, the front page, and uh, they don't say boo, not even a uh, a non-comment, if you will.
5: Here's what happened, because him and Omnicom, which owns uh, Ketchum, would not talk to the Times. He also said he called Omnicom repeatedly. The Times called me because, you know, they know I've been covering the field 37 years, so I became, in effect, the PR firm for Ketchum. They don't want me as their PR firm. (laughs)
2: Absolutely not. (laughs) They're out of their
5: minds. I spent an hour and a half with Ketchum, and I just talked to him he's going to continue coverage of PR.
1: Oh, as a regular beat for it. Yes,
5: he's going to continue coverage of PR. He took a two-week vacation after he ran that article. And I thought that was very bad, and I criticized him for that. He says, well, I'm on vacation. I said to him, here's what I say to everybody. News did not take a vacation. What do you think of that, Cindy?
1: I I agree with you 100%.
5: (laughs) He took a hike. He did the same thing that Katja did. In okay, Johnson let's not make this Omnicom. about Tim O'Brien. However,
2: what do you think, Jack? Is Ketchum's strategy here? However, do you think it's just a matter of oh, the uh, the suits at Omnicom telling Catchem just to hey, lowball this as best you can. Don't say anything, uh, and it'll blow over. And and as there was, I believe there was uh, one comment out there floating in the ether about uh, these various investigations. Hey, if uh, if it's not on television, who cares?
5: Well, okay, here's here's what I would say to that. The the attitude of John Rand, the the, uh, chief executive of account is very clear. He has has had one press interview in two and a half years. He just simply does not talk to the press. And I used to cover his annual meeting in New York. Two years ago, he moved it to Los Angeles and last year to Atlanta. He just cannot stand the press. He is an accountant. He's from Arthur Anderson. In fact, all three conglomerates are headed by business people. Martin Sorrell is from Wire Products, right? And they, they just named a new head of uh, Interpublic, Michael Roth, confessed in the New York Times this week he knows absolutely nothing about advertising. He's completely financial. So the advertising business is completely run by financial people. That's what I would say.
2: And, and again, what do you think is the uh, uh, potential uh, ramifications for Ketchum and all of this? I mean, do you it's, think this is going well, to eventually blow over? Do you way, think hands. this is going to impact its clientele? Cool. Do, you have, sure. do you hear any Remember, subtle thought about clients leaving?
5: Yeah, well, they don't tell you anything. They won't even give you your numbers. They won't even tell you the temperature of their offices. Mm -hmm. Arthur Anderson had 70,000 employees. They got involved in a moral question when morality and honesty is the number one thing of an accounting firm. That was the end of Arthur Anderson. And, And if you ask me, the number one thing in PR is honesty and truth. When you don't have that, you don't have anything.
1: I think that, Matt. What do you think of that, Cindy? No, I I think we agree with that wholeheartedly. I fall into your school. You know, in the article in the New York Times that talked about this whole thing, when Howard Rubenstein was quoted, um, you know, he fell on the side of ethics, and that's my school for the last 25 years, and I know it's certainly Matt's school and your school, Jack, so... Like With the school I think of honesty
5: and truthfulness and availability, here's what I think the industry should have done after the New York Times' tremendous attack on us. Instead of talking about ethics, they should have had a press conference in the next couple of days and said, here we are, we're, we're not afraid to meet the press. All the leaders of the association should have, what do you think of that, Matt, should have had a press conference, mm-hmm. invited the Times and all the trade reporters and the business reporters and say, look, here we are, we're PR people, we're not afraid to face the press.
2: What do you think of that? Well, uh, I would have preferred that than uh, some of the uh, rather in my view feckless uh, releases they put out in uh, You're right. my You're right right. scandal. And, really. and and Good talk word. to Definitely and really. talk to the industry's response Jack a little more. Why isn't the industry perhaps using this as uh, again it's it's been it's been uh, about a month since uh, a little more than a month since the initial story broke. It it it's getting February that 13th, uh, yeah. it, it, it no longer has that front page quality but talk to Why don't you think the industry is using this as an opportunity Uh, to change the conversation about PR, about uh, PR and ethics?
3: Uh, It seems as though
2: PRSA, IEDC, the various alphabet soups, uh, trade groups out there, are are putting uh, putting their uh, sort of collective head in the sand.
5: They absolutely are. Now, now, I told you, Matt, a little while ago about the ethics uh, summit at PRSA, March 22nd. Yes. They've invited all the big associations down there to the headquarters downtown. And uh, the press is not invited, but they're going to have, there's going to be a press uh, review later in the afternoon. But I think the problem is they're just not articulate enough. Almost nobody in PR ever worked in the media. And when well, you know media, what, we're going to fix talk, that, really Jack, not... and
1: I think that we're all going to work together and fix that, and right now we have to wrap up this segment, but yeah, Jack, we sure. want to have you back on again, because I think that right. you are key to fixing what's wrong in the public relations field.
2: Thank you, Cindy. Jack, okay. thanks so much for making the time.
1: Hey, see, okay, let's, let's get them uh, uh,
5: the afternoon of the 22nd. seconds see what they decide, Matt.
2: I'll talk to you soon.
5: Okay, good luck.
1: All right, bye, Jack.
6: Information you need, when you need it, voiceamerica.com. Movie premieres. TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll
0: Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking videos television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production of 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E-Channel, MTV, the Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at ww.rac'nrollentertainment. That's Or call 1-818-597-0700. Yes, charity event. TV special. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. wwr
1: My name is Joyce Bender, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
0: In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer.
6: Business, sports, religion, legal, pets, entertainment. You're listening to voiceamerica.com.
0: Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-888-335-5204 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your question. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R.
1: Actually, back to Stars of PR with Matthew Schwartz. Um, because he's a superstar of PR, and he covers the beat with PR News. Matthew, now you get to turn the mic on me.
2: I'm going to turn the tables on you uh, for a little while, Cindy. And just let me ask you, uh, you are a veteran uh, PR executive, uh, uh, worked at the uh, tippy-top of this uh, business. Uh, what was your initial reaction to uh, Ketchum? And, and in your years uh, in the business, have you uh, ever heard of uh, something like this, putting the uh, Hill and Olt in uh, Citizens for a Free Kuwait uh, business aside.
1: No, well, I know, I, I think that it, it has happened in the PR business. I mean, no business is infallible, but I think that the, you know, the way that this particular incident was handled is something I've never seen. Which is, let's hide in the sand. And um, you know, our industry right now has—it's it, just. It's at such a changing point. There's a sea change in the PR industry.
2: Talk to um, that a little bit.
1: You know, you know, the PR industry of years ago, weren't being eaten by you know huge multi-trillion dollar conglomerates, and it's only recently that you know every little shop that had you know the stars of PR running each shop, be it Pat Kingsley or Larry Winoker or you know. The people who we took such pride in being celebrities in themselves because they knew how to run their shops and they were the top of the top are now being run by, you know, multi-million dollar international conglomerates. And I think that changed a lot of the ways that the business is being run. You get too big and sometimes it's easy You become stupid. (laughs) And is
2: is it the whole uh, commodity, that's the fact that DR agencies have become commodities?
1: I I really think that's part of it. I think that's part of the reason why, um, you know, Ketchum took the approach of, you know, hiding rather than coming forward. There's less of an entrepreneurial spirit. To public relations and one of the few people that I think has kept the entrepreneurial spirit is Howard Rubenstein um, you know therefore you know he's you know I, I see the PR Giants as almost becoming old-school good guys and new-school business greedy guys and perhaps but what happens
2: what happens when those old-school uh, sages uh depart from the scene. What do you think uh are you uh, unnerved at the prospect of of when uh the Howard Rubinsteins again uh depart from the scene and we've got this uh this new generation that you're talking about?
1: I'm really hoping that there's some people that will follow the Howard Rubinstein rules. I know and I vow to be one of them. I mean, I feel so strongly and so proud about public relations being built upon being an ethical business, particularly when, you know, PR executives were moving to the top of the food chains within their companies. I You know, it's almost like public relations is supposed to be the conscience of the company, not the one that's doing the demonic stuff. You know, that's left to the other people. (laughs) And I really take such pride in that, and I know that there are others that do. Um, I think that's you know, that old-fashioned PR ethical advice, Is slowly dissipating by the wayside, you know, unless, you know, Howard has mentors that will follow in his footsteps, um, you know, and people who didn't sell out and are not just thinking about the dollar. Just remember what public relations was supposed to be about. It's about getting your stories in the news. Yeah, it's about your image for the company. The public relations person. Doesn't have ethics and is corrupt. That's I mean that's the whole face of the company that's corrupt. I'm very disturbed by all of this.
2: And do you think the Ketchum case is going to have the effect of that uh, clients out there in corporate America might uh, take a step back and say, um, you know, we don't want to deal with these with these big guys uh, where uh, we get the old bait and switch in terms of selling the business and who's doing the executing and. Uh, do you think uh, this is going to play toward the mid-sized agencies, the flatter companies, the more nimble companies that don't have uh, umpteen gods to answer to uh, the way a uh, Ketchum or a Hill and Holton does with their corporate parents? Uh, do you think that that might be uh, one
1: uh, well, I, I side effect here? I think that all depends. Um, I, you know, if stories like the Ketchum story continue... And the public relations agencies, because perhaps, you know, they're run by other decision makers who don't know much about PR but know a lot about finance, okay, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that there might be um, a setback. There might be a change where people might not want to go with the big shops. The problem is this is not until the Ketchum case, nobody's really covering public relations the way they should. You do. And that's nice, but when Jack mentioned that you know the New York Times now might be having a regular PR column, I would imagine that it's very, um, it's going to examine this very closely on a day-to-day basis. And I'm actually really happy to see it. I always thought if Stuart Elliott had an advertising column, the PR business should have a column.
2: Absolutely, and uh, to uh, coverage of the business that it's uh, going to be enhanced by mainstream publications. Uh, what's your take on uh, just the uh, the industry and how it responds, how it presents itself? Uh, we just, of course, spoke with, uh, talked with Jack about how uh, uh, the industry's initial response was uh, less than stellar. Uh, just uh, spit out a few uh, press releases. Uh, initially, didn't even mention Ketchum by name. Did not have anything uh, near a press conference in the immediate wake of the scandal.
1: It was a cover-up. It, you know, what? Ketchum, how Ketchum attempted to handle it is, you know, it, it, maybe it was a passive cover-up, but it was a cover-up.
4: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: what do public relations professionals do for a living? They come out and they discuss implications of something with the press. They should do it certainly as much for themselves as they're going to do it for their clients. It just looks really bad.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, the public relations industry as a whole is not understood. I mean, you talk about it tirelessly week after week okay and i lecture about it you know um you know people just but don't have a clue
2: if you walk up to jq public on the street they have the uh, they are absolutely clueless they have no idea they think it's a lipstick business and uh it's anything but uh and on that note uh a little segue here um Now, there's, of course, been no allegations of uh, wrongdoing or illegalities, but... uh, Not
1: yet.
2: Not yet, anyway. But uh, in another uh, case or or situation that's uh, causing a a major stir in the public relations industry is the premiere tonight of what's called Power Girls. This is a new reality show, so-called reality show, on MTV that uh, is going to be featuring Lizzie Grubb and public relations, and, uh, her crew, and,
1: uh, well, I what, think.
2: what kind of, uh, this is basically uh, plugging the publicity side of the business, the, gl- the glitterati, which is an increasingly, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an important part of the business, that so can't be denied, but it is an increasingly A diminished part of the business. No, I
1: I think that's. I I think that's part of the problem. What
2: kind of what and what kind of what kind of message do you think that's going to send? Now, do you think and for those uh, uh, teenagers out there, uh, twenty-somethings who might be considering a career in public relations, what what do you think this program is? What kind of message do you think it's going to send?
1: Well, I I think it sends to the teenagers a very um, distorted message of public relations, and I think it's very important that. You know, people explain to their kids that, you know, running around and, you know, um, working a red carpet is not, you know, public relations in itself. I mean, it's a very, very small arm of a much, much larger business. And, you know, my fear is is that public relations has such image problems in itself right now. You know, you put these, you know, reality chicks... (laughs) Well, I, I mean, they're more than that. But on a show demonstrating to teenagers that this is what we do in PR, hooray. God, it's not what you do in PR. I mean, I'm sure of that. I've seen the coming attractions. I've read about it. And, you know, you know, personally, I don't deny Lizzie Grubman the right to have been born with a silver Rolodex, you know, in her crib. I Good for her. But, um, you know, I think the message here is also is that, you know, Lizzie has done things that are publicly not acceptable, okay? I mean, you know, it send a message for the people in the know that if you take your recreational vehicle and, um, or utility vehicle and back into 20 people and injure them because you're mad at the club owner at the front door, that you go to jail and then you too could have a TV show, hooray! I mean, yep, yep. what kind of, I mean, what kind of message does that send out? Um, and, and
2: and to sort of wrap, uh, sort of to tie it all together, uh, sort of uh, a tenuous this tenuous link I'm about to make to the Ketchum case, Armstrong Williams, who again, uh, four and five weeks ago was getting blasted daily. Um, he just got his own r- new radio gig. He's going to be doing drive time in New York starting next week.
1: Well, when we?
3: Wrap so
2: was that? So was this? Uh, so was this? Perhaps uh, a case that ultimately helped him. Uh,
1: you know what? it's that's his another his show. Ex- it's another show in itself. I know we're about to wrap up this segment, but I think that you and I should actually talk about a show about people who, you know, do corporate wrongdoing, go to jail, and all of that kind of stuff, and how it helped and are rewarded career. for it. I mean, it will be like our Saturday Night Live on PR, okay?
2: Okay. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Another
1: segment, and um, now we're going to take a break.
6: Cutting edge, challenging, stimulating. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres. TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events,
0: yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production of 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E-Channel, MTV, the Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to with you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.Rack that's Or call 1-818-597-0700. charity events, TV specials, radio, rack and roll productions, we do it all. wwwr
6: Tune in every Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time to Voice America for Talking Shriners with Brian Ching. Each week, Brian will discuss cutting-edge health programs that the Shriners provide free of charge for children with different health concerns, from severe burns and orthopedic care to spinal cord injuries, as well as let you know the importance of becoming a member to help future generations of kids. So won't you please join us for this fun and informational hour of radio with Brian Ching and Talking Shriners. Every Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on America's Voice, VoiceAmerica.com Information you need When you need it VoiceAmerica.com If you are a self-published author Or an independent publisher You know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure For the latest ways to increase publicity for your work Tune into to On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time On the show, Maxine will interview thriving,
5: independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach
1: you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's On the Same Page with Maxine Thompson every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com.
6: Continuing to be the authority in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. Get free advice from crisis communications guru
0: Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 1-888-335-5204. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz.
1: No, actually, it's the host and editor of PR News, Matthew Schwartz. Thank you. Okay, we'll continue until our next guest, Paul Argente, comes on the air.
2: Yeah, Paul Argenti, and again, Paul is the professor of uh, management and corporate communications at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth, uh, and he's also a board member of the Arthur W. Page Society. Arthur W. Page Society uh, was inspired by uh, a fellow by the name of Arthur Page, who was the uh, PR uh, head of PR at AT AT&T. Uh, back in the 30s, and Arthur Page has been around, I believe, for the last uh, 20 years, and it represents uh, corporate PR executives uh, really working at uh, within the senior ranks of uh, corporate America. So he's very well patched into this, uh, the industry and the profession, and um, I have no doubt he'll be a very uh, fine guest. We were, uh, you and I were just talking, however, about uh, Lizzie Grubman's show that's uh, premiering tonight on MTV Power Girls um perhaps m t v should be sending us a thank you card for talking about it because uh, we 're probably going to drum up a few eyeballs that might not otherwise tune in but Without what doubt. but what do you think but do you think this is the show is going to have any legs do you think
1: uh i don't know it's going to be interesting to see i it's hard you know i'm trying to envision it. Uh, You know, I definitely want to watch it. I think I I have a conflict with the O.C. (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm very curious to see, uh, you know, a reality show about what the Grubman girls are going to do. I mean, uh, what I would guess format-wise is, if they're smart about it, and I think MTV is a brilliant programmer, is that, you know, they're going to have cameos by a couple of the celebrities that Lizzie represents. Sure. that, you know, and that in itself is an eye-catcher, you know. Um, they're keeping it really secret. But, you know, we know that she represents some big names. We also know that those names happen to be on her father's legal Rolodex because he's a lawyer That's <laughs> to very Um, But, you know, if the show is going to continue with legs, I think it's going to be a challenge for Lizzie to continue to get her clients to cooperate. And, you know, the show's episodes, like whether it's going to be, you know, a fundraiser or it's going to be, you know, a media tour. You can't do it with Lizzie and her girls alone. You're going to have to have the celebrity to, you know, sort of tie it together. Because no, the public relations field, even for Lizzie Grubman, isn't that glamorous to hold the jaded eyes of the MTV audience that's just so used to growing up with the internet i mean i just can't see how it could hold how it could hold itself unless it's just filled with cameos of celebrities
2: and again this comes back comes back to uh the pr industry's utter lack of uh response when when faced with these issues which you know i've heard for the last three weeks ever since uh inc started to generate about the program that uh PR folks are just up at arms. They're they're freaked out about this. They can't stand it. Who is this Lizzie Grubman sending the industry back years and years? But, again, all they're doing is complaining, if you will. Um, Why not uh, do something about it? Why not mobilize? Is that uh, that so difficult for the industry to do, or do you think there are too many turf battles among the various trade groups uh, for uh, for them to come together to, again, address these things that they're so – Uh, seemingly up in arms about?
1: I I think you have a good point. I think part of the public relations image problem is the fact that there are a lot of turf battles, and I think that's the question that you asked. Um, You know, particularly when you talk about, quote, end quote, the Hollywood publicist who really wants to, you know, set themselves apart from corporate PR people. They like doing that. And what it does is it really creates a misunderstanding academically of what the public relations field is supposed to be all about. And, you know, the thing that I think is lacking is an umbrella organization, a strong umbrella organization. I know, Matthew, that you mentioned there are a few of them. But nobody seems to be doing their job. And
2: they, and they pretty much just uh, essentially talk to themselves.
1: The, they talk to themselves, and it's for their own good. And do you ever see Lizzie Grubman, you know, at a keynote speech at the Public Relations Society of America's banquet meeting? I, you know, I mean, it's like they, they, you know, the Lizzie Grubmans of the world make believe that the, you know, the higher corporate echelon of PR doesn't exist. And, but, and vice versa. Well, I I think that's very much true. Well, actually, from the higher corporate echelons' point of view, they just see the Lizzie Grubmans of of the world as, you know, a component of their business because when you go to a Baker, Winoka, Ryder, or a Bragman, Nyman, Caffarelli, they do have the corporate, you know, perspective but they also have their teams that are the Lizzie Grubman type of team. So I don't think it's so much vice versa. Mm -hmm. I think the people at the top from a macrocosmic point of view can identify what the Hollywood publicist is, and it's not the do-all and end-all. It's the components of the business, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's from the Hollywood publicist's point of view that conveniently they have no clue about, you know, the history of the academics behind PR. But we have Paul on the line, and he could clarify all of this for us. Right, Paul?
2: Paul? Paul? Hi. Hi, Hi. welcome Paul Argenti. Thank again, you. Thank you, uh, Welcome Paul. Paul is uh, the professor of management and corporate communication at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth. And again, Paul is also a board member at the Arthur W. Page Society, which represents uh, corporate communication professionals. Paul, welcome. Thank you. And uh, we're talking about uh, essentially the Ketchum case. So initially, if you could give us uh, your bird's eye view of the contours of the case uh, and what you think happened here.
4: Uh-huh. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, part of it is a kind of an unfortunate misunderstanding, and I guess I'll start with that. And then uh, the second part of it, I think, is uh, perhaps a, a difficult uh, communication response. Let's start with the, uh, the sort of unfortunate misunderstanding. Um, I think in a relationship with government agency or any corporation today, um, the relationship between the agency and that entity uh, takes on a, a very complicated sort of uh, situation when you have a number of vendors involved, and that was certainly true in this case. So uh, Ketchum was the, was the prime, and it could have been an ad agency, and often is, and in their case they were the prime, uh, and they hire these guys to, to essentially do advertising. Um, I, I think in that kind of uh, complex world in which you have a number of sub uh, actors in a situation, uh, anything is possible, and you need to be uh, pretty careful about how you uh, create contracts, how you build a relationship, how, you, uh, how transparent you are, and all of that. And unfortunately, I think Ketchum got caught in a very bad situation with this guy, who uh, clearly, uh, you know, was supposed to be. Advocating on behalf of uh, the Department of Education, there's no doubt about that, and did a very good job of that. But primarily through advertising, not through PR. Um, and um, the second part of it was that he would, of course, speak about um, you know his views on his own radio show, which, by the way, he would have done anyway. That didn't have anything to do with the situation. I think um, you know the unfortunate connecting of the dots that happens here is that people assume that Ketchum was responsible for. Him going on other radio programs and advocating positions for the Department of Education, and not saying that he was being paid to do so, and uh, he's being paid to do advertising primarily and to tout this in his own program. So, uh, how you ever explain that story to people is kind of a, a you know impossible situation once it's out of the bag. I mean, I suppose he could have gone on every time and said, "Now, don't forget, I'm being paid by the Department of Education," but uh, that's a that's a tricky one. The second part is, uh, as I said, is the response. Uh, once sort of people, you know, go, oh my God, this is horrible, and, and how you respond to that. And I have no idea what kinds of pressures you, you face when you're part of a larger entity like an Omnicom and you have, um, you know, you have a number of clients, including this client to answer to, not to mention the, the, you know, the person involved himself. But uh, certainly one of the problems at that point is that you you have to think about, you know, the the credibility of your own institution as part of your response. And I think uh, Ketchum was put in a very difficult situation as a result of this uh, because the story is, is more complicated than people would, would want to believe. It's, it's one that, uh, you know, sort of a reporter's dream story that PR people are, you know, nasty and not transparent, do evil and harmful things, that kind of thing. But the more interesting part of the story for me is that why is anyone surprised that what we do as uh, public relations, uh, whether it's educators or professionals, and what journalists do is filled with uh, a lot of information that is left on the table? Um, The story that uh, Tim O'Brien did for the New York Times had a lot of other stuff, certainly from me and everyone else in it, that never made it to to the end article. Um, The situation that uh, Ketchum has to explain is uh, fairly complex and uh, much more complicated than what they've been able to talk about. The, uh, the, The guy himself who is involved here certainly had, uh, you know, what is he supposed to do? Every time he gets on the air saying, "No don't forget I'm an advocate for the Department of Education when everybody already knows he has a point of view. We purposely take a slice of life when a reporter writes a story, when you pitch a particular piece of business to a reporter, you're not telling all of the facts of the situation to everybody. Uh, whether we're talking about the Boeing situation today where we know there's more to this case than what we're seeing, which is why it's so startling, uh, or we're talking about the em situation. And I think that's the unfortunate part of it is that people are aghast that, oh, my God, there's more to say and that we need to be transparent and bear our souls all the time. Well, that's just not the way the world works. We purposely keep information out uh, on our side, and so do reporters. That's how all information passes. You can't tell every single piece of the story.
1: Well, I think, Paul, if I could comment on that, I, you know, in the public relations industry, In particular, because it's not a beat that is as general as advertising or aerospace or any other, you know, profession out there. I mean, I think it makes it even more difficult because there's nobody really professionally covering the beat on a day-to-day basis. I mean, Tim was just brought into this.
4: Right, right. Well, I suppose that, you know there certainly isn't the trade. We know that. I mean, I think PR Week does a, a very good job of, of covering it on a day-to-day basis, and uh, that's true in, in every industry, industry. You know, Ad Age does a very good job of covering advertising, and there isn't a Stuart Elliott, I suppose, uh, dedicated just to PR. You're right that that would cover it, or, or the people in the journal who cover this, uh, you know, advertising. It's true, but I
1: think they're going to have to start.
3: Listen, we're going to take a break. Yeah, that's right. By the way, a
4: welcome. I bet a lot of PR agencies will not be happy to hear you say that because, you know, once you have people covering it, uh, you know, what does that mean?
1: Well, let's discuss that after the break because I think it's an interesting subject. So stay on for the break. We'll see you in a couple of minutes and don't go anywhere, Paul.
6: You want the truth? Face the facts. This is voiceamerica.com. Depend on it. Movie premieres. TV specials, radio
0: shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking videos, television, movies, Rock Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production of 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E-Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.Rack and that's raknroll Or call 1-818-597-0700. charity event, TV specials, radio and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.raknrollentertainment.com
6: aknrol Dr. Peter Towns I am America's voice. VoiceAmerica.com Are you thinking of adopting a child? How do you know if you're ready to adopt? Each week, Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell will focus on different aspects of adoption that are important to you. Marty is a certified adoption practitioner and has made it her life's quest to bring families to safe and ethical adoption. Her guests for Let's Talk Adoption will include birth parents and adoption professionals learn how to overcome the hurdles of adoption on Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell right here on VoiceAmerica.com The world leader in internet talk radio you're listening to VoiceAmerica.com
0: Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall including three Clios. Call in now at 1-888-335-5204 and you can have one Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your question. Back to Stars with PR with Cindy R.
1: We're back. We're back. We're back. And we're here with Matthew Matthew Schwartz from PR News, and we're here with Paul Argente, and we're talking about a lot of really interesting, controversial things.
2: And, and Paul, if uh, we could pick it up where we left off, uh, should the mainstream press enhance its coverage singularly of the PR profession? Does that not mean that, um, particularly among publicly traded companies, does that not mean that uh, corporate communication
4: professionals are going to have to
2: perhaps uh, change their game a little bit?
4: No doubt about it. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, one of the great things that came out of the article in the Times is that it made the profession look more strategic probably than it really is. Um, And that's a good thing, you know, that uh, and the way the profession is going, I think, is into a much more strategic uh, focus than it had before. I mean, I, I really believe there is a strategic imperative for public relations. I mean, once it becomes clear that a lot of the power in an organization in getting things done, particularly on strategy execution, now rests with the uh, corporate communications department or the corporate communications officer in an organization, uh, clearly, you know newspapers are going to have to cover that function more carefully, and part of the reason they don't is they have such a nasty view of p r people as a result of you know their interactions with them as sort of pitch people for stories to them. you know they don't see the complexity of the uh, the function today as being much more than just media relations so it's, a, it's and, a very, very complex and talk and talk to the th- some of those fundamentals
2: if you will, please, in terms of how uh To your point, the PR function has changed dramatically in the last uh, 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, I I mean, I think
4: that you know, I just completed a a study for uh, Neri on how the profession has changed from through the eyes of CEOs, and I interviewed uh, in depth 10 CEOs at companies like FedEx and Dell and the New York Times and. A whole host of other other organizations, and one of the things we found is that in in virtually all of the the best in class organizations in this country, I think you're seeing a much more strategic function that would include obviously beyond media relations, employee communications activity uh, it would include community relations, investor relations, and a whole host of other things. But the more important part of that is that uh, you know if that person in that job is going to have a seat at the table they have to be able to speak the same language as other managers in the room. And that means uh, the people who are taking those jobs today have a much broader background uh, than just you know, a, uh, a job in a public relations firm or a stint as a journalist. And, in fact, going forward, uh, I mean, that's a good background to have, for sure, for that person. But they also have to have a, a pretty broad set of management skills to, to operate in this environment. I mean, at the largest companies in the country, you're talking about managing two to 400 people uh, looking at huge, huge issues that you have to communicate to broad groups of employees, companies with 200,000 employees. I mean, that's like communicating to a mass constituency in a, in a, a government situation. So we need new skill sets. We need broader, more strategic focus. And, uh, you know, the, the, the departments are becoming more complex and more like other functions in the corporation today.
2: And what can the various trade groups, uh, Arthur W. Page among them, do to start changing the conversation to the public, start educating people about these changes? Uh, because, again, to your point a moment ago, it's uh, this perception that people have of, of PR
4: executives is is largely antiquated. Well. You know, I think, and I heard just a brief comment when I first uh, uh, got in on the the uh, call today, but uh, that you were making a comment about these organizations not doing enough. I, I know that as a board member at Arthur Page, we are very concerned about getting, uh, getting this profession, uh, you know, at a place of uh, higher credibility. I mean, that's one of the things that we feel is very important. And to talk about this more strategic focus. I think that is a part of NERI, which is, uh, you know, an organization that you don't ordinarily think of, but is a key player in the world of of um, communications. is definitely, they have a center for strategic communications at NERI. Uh, and, you know, Arthur Page is, is very, very aware of the need to to respond to, uh, to, to take up the, the challenge that is out there. I think, The problem is that all of these organizations are in flux, you know. I mean, uh, PRSA and IABC really are much more focused at uh, a lower, more tactical level, and there needs to be organizations that satisfy those demands. But I think Page is the right place, and I think Tom Martin is a fabulous leader who gets it, and I think that a lot of the board members uh, are phenomenal and understand the strategic focus, whether we're talking about Roger Bolton at Aetna or Bill Marguerite at FedEx or Ken Stern at UPS or any of the other people who, who I'm not mentioning but are on the board as well, uh, we all understand that. And the question is, how do you make that happen? We're a, a small organization, um, you know, that, that doesn't have a wide reach, that purposely uh, takes only the top slice of uh the, the top people in, in the country, so it's it's hard to do, and I think it's going to take some time. But it's certainly on the on the table, and will be a part of uh, our deliberations going forward.
2: And uh, for those uh, cynics among us, uh, what yeah. would be your take on those who argue, including those in the profession who I've spoken to about this, that till so you're blue in the face, um, you can try and change the conversation about PR, about the profession, but that these perceptions are just so entrenched. That uh, in terms of your cost-benefit analysis, it may not ultimately be worth it to try to go to the expense, the investment, uh, the time to try and start changing the conversation. That just people just are set in their ways about, about PR, uh, about PR executives.
6: I would say
4: that that conversation is going to change dramatically in the next couple of years as we start to see the implementation of better measurement techniques in the profession and uh, I know, Matthew, you and I have talked about this before, and you'll be hearing a lot more from me about this in the future. But, you know, as we have better ways to measure outcomes, not output. I mean, we have any number of players out there who can you know, tell you how many articles were placed and where and what the value is and how favorable they were. But the minute we can start to do what other functional areas can do, which is to tell you what the value of that spend is. You know, there was an article in the USA Today a couple of weeks ago that for every dollar you spend on pharmaceutical advertising, you get $4.20 in return. Uh, you know, who, nobody said who measured that, how did they do it, where it's coming from. The same way you measure that, you can measure the effectiveness of what we do using the same kind of econo- econometric models and our regression analysis, we can tell you what the value of a spend in PR and communications is on outcome, whether it's market share, sales, whatever. And the minute we can start to do that more effectively, and it's coming very soon, we're going to be able to tell people what the value of this profession is in a way that they just didn't even think about before. That means the entire nature of the profession, who gets into it, what they do, and how much more strategic it becomes.
2: And are you confident that with those sorts of changes, there will be more... Uh, senior PR executives
4: getting that not only getting that seat at the table but keeping it. I don't see how they could avoid it. I mean, once you you know when you look at a company, that, and there are many companies in this country that spend hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising, and fives and tens of millions of dollars on communications activities, with no understanding of what the relative value is of those two things. Well, if you understand what the relative value is and you start to see the effectiveness, and I think in our gut we know what the value is of what communications professionals do or we wouldn't be in the profession in the first place. And once you can actually tell people what that is, tell people who think in numbers, and let's face it, the language of senior management is numbers, and public relations professionals by and large are people who have always been freaked out about numbers, right? Once you can get beyond that and get into a world in which you're speaking the same language, uh, you have a similar background. Uh, you have a much more general management orientation. The profession will change, and the kind of people who go into it are going to have to change. And that is a huge sea change for this profession going forward.
1: probably necessary, don't you think?
4: I don't see how it can survive the way it is today because the world is just too complex. Whether we're talking about uh, a large organization that uh, you know that is you know a traditional corporate situation or. Um, uh, an, a non-governmental organization like uh, AARP, which is a complex organization, no matter what kind of organization, they all have communications needs that are far more complex because of the world we live in today. So there's no it's not like you have a choice. Uh, either you'll get there by screaming and kicking, or you'll get there because it's an inevitability. Uh, but one way or another, people are going to have to make the change. I think the biggest obstacle, quite honestly, is PR people themselves uh, and the limited – view that they take of what their role is in an organization and the limited view that they have of what kind of people can do PR has been the biggest obstacle to change in this profession. And
1: and I think that's very true. Matthew and I talk about that quite a lot. And, in fact, Matthew and I are emphatic that, you know, the senior-level public relations person in a corporation should be just as important to the CEO as the CFO or the general counsel. I mean, you know, and... There are many organizations that do recognize it, but there are many organizations that don't. And yeah. I think that those are the organizations that get themselves in, into trouble in the process.
4: Well, and, you know, part of it is that I think, and having done this CEO study this year, and you know, I have an article coming out in April on this in uh, Sloan Management Review, but if you think about what happens in the organization, the CEO and the CFO as well, by the way, which kind of surprised me, I interviewed uh, 10 CEOs, CFOs, IR, CCOs. And the CFOs and the CEOs understand that strategic role, but then they turn around and look at the person who's in charge of the function, and you know the credibility isn't always there. And I think that's the problem a lot of the times. So it isn't that they don't see that person as someone they'd want to have at the table. It's just maybe not that the particular person you got next to you. I mean, uh, that 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 person really has to earn that. Yeah, yeah. And and either it happens because of years of being in the organization that you get the seat, or it happens because the CEO understands the value and goes out and finds the right person who may or may not, by the way, have a public relations background in many organizations. You know, people are coming at it from marketing, which is unfortunate, uh, but whatever. Too
1: quantitative.
3: you got to
4: get the job done, you know. Right. And so uh, you've got to get the job done, you've got to have people in there, but it's a general management function it's not like some weird arcane thing that only you know uh, people who wear spooky hats and read weird books can do let 's face it. I mean in, in, you know when we 're talking about the law, yes, that is a profession. you have to study it and go to school, but public relations is more like marketing or production or finance in that you need general management skills, and then you need an understanding of that particular slice of the organization. Uh, and not much more than that. I think uh, you know, someone with a uh, journalism background as an undergraduate or an English major who goes to get an MBA and has worked in, uh, you know, in a uh, function of public relations, whether it's internal, IR, whatever, is the perfect person to be in that job. I
1: think so, too. Well, listen, you have been really educational for my listeners, and we really appreciate that. We hope to have you on the show again.
2: Thanks so very much. I'd love up, to do you know.
1: it. But thank you so much. And, Matthew, you are the host of the year.
2: Well, you're too kind.
1: All right. Well, listen, everybody. We'll talk again real soon. And Paul, I'm glad I got to meet you. Yeah. Thanks All right. for having. Me. Thanks, Paul. All right. Paul. Take care, everybody. Have a great Thursday. Okay. Ciao. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific time for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. We'll see you next week.